Amen and amen. Um, and it's good to be back with you. It'll be better next week when we are uh, in person and uh, we, can, we can truly commune with one another at Frost. We'll make some more announcements about that at the end of our time together and again this week via video. And so be watching your email and um, your social media feed for more information. But for now, uh, we start a new series and we start a new series called Word to the Wise. Um, where over the summer we are going to be just visiting different Proverbs in the book of Proverbs, and I'll probably break from that next week um, as we come back together. But we'll still be looking at uh, the wisdom that comes from God and God alone. And I don't know if you've picked up a theme already this morning, but the theme that I'm picking up already is a brokenness. The theme that I'm picking up already is a humility that this is a, a new season that is upon us. Yes, we couldn't agree on whether or not the pandemic was actually a pandemic. And now we certainly aren't in agreement on whether or not there's um, systemic racial injustice in our country. If we can't agree on people dying from a pandemic, I know we're not going to agree on things like racism. But let me lean in a little bit this morning. Because it's an opportunity for us to be humbled. It's an opportunity for me to repent of thinking we know some things when we don't, um, of, of, of rooting our wisdom in experience. Um, and, and when we do that, we, we, I mean, we miss so much. And so today, we, we need to look no further for the need for wisdom than our social media feeds, right? Um, even the, the mainstream news, there, we need to not look any uh, further than those places than to realize we are in a world that does not lack knowledge. We have knowledge coming out of our ears. We have opinions coming out of everywhere. But we, we, we severely, severely lack wisdom. It's just no wonder that a Word to the Wise series, a, a series focusing on the wisdom that comes from God and God alone, um, will help us during these times to make heads and tails of whatever's been confusing for us. I mean, recent conversations for us have been really confusing. And if we're not careful, we'll start to, we'll start to base our wisdom on our experience or on the experience of others when, in fact, Christians have... Um, a far broader and more firm foundation for our wisdom, and that is uh, the Word of God. And so I want to put before us, um, I want to show something. I want to, hey, hey, I want to show something before us called the Wisdom Pyramid. Um, hopefully it's, it's in the computer. Hopefully it's there and it will come up. If it does not, then Cassie is going to share that um, in the comments on Facebook. And so... Um, just a nod or a no. Hey, come on, baby. That's what I'm talking about. All right, look at that. So look at this wisdom period. I didn't come up with this. Um, instead, this came from a guy named Brett McCracken on a blog that he posted. Um, so I'm being a little bit hypocritical because I'm going to the internet to find this and wisdom. But nonetheless, I think there's some wisdom in this. Look, if this is like the old food pyramid, right, that we would base our foundation as Christians on the scriptures, and then we would go to tradition, um, church tradition more specifically, and then nature and beauty to figure out what's true and what's not true, because um, all of creation is declaring the glory of God, that we can see his characteristics in all of creation, Romans 1 would say. And we discern all of that, both from the scriptures and through the church and through nature and beauty, and then with books, and then finally, 
Finally, we start getting into some limited experiences and opinions out there on the Google and the Facebook and the YouTube and the Twitters. That's like what you should be using sparingly. That's like the chocolate or the sugar. Um, My fear, truly, my fear and my experience, I must confess, my experience this last couple of weeks, and if I'm really honest with myself, probably through the pandemic, I've flipped this. I've inverted this in pyramid. I've taken way too much Um, knowledge through internet and through social media, and not nearly enough through the scriptures, through church tradition, through books, through the church itself. Uh, But this is, I want to put this before us as a foundation for word to the wise, for all of us to look at and go, man, I've inverted this. I've, I've, you know what, like, oddly enough, I don't, I can't trust every person that puts something on YouTube about the pandemic. Uh, like, oddly enough, I can't trust everything that's floating through my, my social media feed on, on what is or what isn't happening in this world. And how do I make sense of, if I can't even trust the images that I'm seeing, the stories that I'm hearing being told, how in the world can I discern how to react to it? I don't know about you, but I've just been compressed with all of this. I don't know about you, but like just confused and just just kind of thrown my hands in the air and said, Look, I don't know about this coronavirus. I don't know what's true and what's false, but I do know it's dangerous. I do know that we need to take it seriously. And I've come to that conclusion because of the constant um, plagues and famines and things like that through the scriptures that happen over and over and over again. Look, you can disagree with what you think about Ahmaud Arbery. You can disagree with what you think about George Floyd. But what we can agree on is that it's pretty racist. What we can agree on is that it's wrong, and all racism is wrong. Why? Because we can lean on the scriptures to understand that everybody, everybody, every human was created in the image of God. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, it does not matter. So you can try and throw up different opinions on what we think, or start to make excuses about like the pandemic. Well, I mean, after all, no one I know has gotten it. And so all of a sudden we limit wisdom based on experience. It's not my experience that I've been privileged because of my, my, uh, my, my skin color or that I've been disadvantaged because of my skin color. But because it's not our experience, we dismiss it as something untrue. But this time, in this season, there's a, there's a wisdom to be held that is far uh, broader than our limited experience. And I want to invite us into that. I want to invite us into that wisdom to understand um, like, where does that type of wisdom come from? Where do we start with that kind of wisdom? How do you fal- filter out the noise and discern the truth about what we see 24-7 on our phone and on our TVs? Where do we begin with this frustrating pursuit of discernment, of wisdom on what is true or false, fact or fiction? Because there is no 100% guarantee that what we're seeing is either true or false. We instead have to discern these things based on the spirit of wisdom and revelation that is in us, if we're believers, and based on God's word, on what it says about humanity, that we're all made in the image of God, about creation, about um, how this world works and that it's broken, that our ultimate hope isn't in social justice. Our ultimate hope is in the justice that was poured out on Jesus on our behalf. How do we do all this? How do we filter all this? Where do we begin? Let me read for us again the first five verses on what Proverbs 2 tells us, because I think it's going to give us some insight, some wisdom, if you will, on where to start. 
He says, my son, if you receive word, my words and treasure up my commandments with you, Solomon speaking to his son now, make your ear... Make your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Did you see that? Did you see that in verse 5? The whole point of seeking, the whole point of seeking this thing like treasure is to understand the fear of the Lord. Now, I want to say something right here, right? Wisdom isn't something that we just get. Wisdom is something that throughout the scripture says we must ask the Lord for. James 1 is clear about that. If we, if we lack wisdom, ask the Lord. He will give it to us. He's storing it up for us all throughout the book of Proverbs, it says. It says, man, God's word, the foundation of wisdom for the believer, says we must seek wisdom like treasure. Y'all, this is a Goonies expedition right now. Okay, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta understand that we gotta join Chester Copperpot and go find One-Eyed Willie's uh, treasure that's sunken and buried somewhere. So I'm just gonna implore you: grab Mikey, grab Mouth, grab Sloth, grab Chunk. We're headed on an adventure for these next weeks as we seek wisdom like treasure. Now, before I get there, all right, before I get on the adventure with you, I need us to understand. When we seek wisdom, it's going to cost us some things. When we, there's a reason why it says seek it, because it'd be much more comfortable to just sit. Be much more comfortable to just sit out wisdom, remain foolish and opinionated, and not be, uh, have those things rooted in God's word and what he wants for us in wisdom. How do we react to everything that's going on? Man, in wisdom, in humility, in love. And all that starts in one common place. And that is in the fear of the Lord. See, what is the beginning of wisdom? Well, Proverbs 9, if you don't know the structure of the book of Proverbs, most people think that Proverbs 1 um, all the way through Proverbs 9 is this one main message. So starting with 1 and ending in 9, you see this theme coming up again and again. In, Ro- in, in Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In Proverbs 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Before I unpack 2, i got to unpack 9 and 10. I got to do that to help us understand that the beginning of this journey of finding discernment, of finding deliverance, of finding uh, the ability to, to be discreet in how we operate in this world begins with fear. Wisdom begins with fear. Fear is an underrated, I talk a lot about not being afraid, but I will always implore us, I will always bring us back to what the scriptures say we should be afraid of, and that is God himself. There's a constant call for us. Don't be afraid of anything. Success, failure, um, rejection, approval, whatever it may be. Fear not those things. But you better fear. We better fear God. We better have a fear of the Lord. Why? Because the fear of the Lord produces a wisdom in us, keeping you, you, me, me, and God, God. It puts and, 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 and we just celebrated the ascended Lord at the right hand of the Father from which he sent the Holy Spirit in us um, to, to fill us. That ascended Lord um, isn't our homeboy. 
I know we used to have t-shirts about that back in like the, the mid-2000s. But he's not our homeboy. Um, he doesn't wink at our sin. No, instead, we are wrapping our lives around what he thinks about how we live. Right? He doesn't wink at our sin. He is the righteous judge. This is gentle Jesus. I want you to see the full picture of gentle Jesus. Not just the Jesus that we know, um, uh, uh, that we kind of pick and choose out of the Gospels. I want, I want Genesis to Revelation Jesus, because that, that Genesis to Revelation Jesus is a holy God. He is a, the judge of the living and the dead. He is the creator of all things and the one who will come to bring ultimate justice on this world and righteousness upon the earth as he leads the armies of heaven. And when he does, Revelation 19 says, that he will lead the armies of heaven and his robe will be dipped in the blood of his enemies. That should produce great fear in us. Why? Because that, that could be us. If we're not repentant and faithful in the gospel to Christ, that should be us. We should be his enemies. But it creates humility in us when we realize that should be us, but it's not, and God's gracious, and he's merciful. But that's what the fear of the Lord does. It helps us understand he's coming. He is going to be a righteous judge. And he will separate sheep from goat. But the fear of the Lord is not a cowering, but an awe and respect of his capability and of his power, right? Just putting it a different way. I think the fear of the Lord is what happens on the inside when we read Proverbs 15.3. I want you to just, I want to read this before us, Proverbs 15.3. And as we do, I want you to just pay attention to what happens on the inside. I want you to pay attention to what happens in your heart and in your soul. Proverbs 15.3 says this, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. You see, you see what just happened? If you, if you think you're the good, then, then the fear of the Lord probably didn't hit you. But if you realize that you're part of the evil and that your evil is consistently in you, that you're no, you have an awareness of your own sin. The fear of the Lord is, is that reaction that happens on the inside of you when you read scriptures like Proverbs 15.3, that he is watching us, never taking a break. And so whatever happened right now, just right now on the inside of you, if there's just a, a little bit of hesitation, man, I wanna tell you, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to remember that, that we need to be fear, ha have fear of our God in awe and a respect of his holiness, of his power, of his character. Let us not overemphasize the fact that God is love and light. Let us also emphasize that God is a God of justice and holiness, both equal parts. The fear of the Lord is this fear of his watchful eye, the fear of his righteous judgment, the fear of him who, who, who Jesus says that can de destroy both soul and body in hell out of Matthew 10, 28. This is what delivers us from unrighteous living. This is what happens in, in uh, Proverbs 2 at the end where we're delivered. Why is it that we're delivered? Because we understand that every decision that we make, both in, in, out in the open and in secret, the eyes of the Lord are watching us. This fear this fear helps us get rid of sins of commission, the ones that we commit, and sins of omission, the ones that we don't do. In other words, the, the sins of commission are the things that we do that we know we, not, we ought not do. 
The sense of omission being the things that we know we should do, but we don't. Sense of omission and sense of commission. See, this fear, this wisdom, this skillful application in awe of God's holy, just, and yet loving and forgiving character is the deliverance from secret sin in our heart. The fear of the Lord purges out your secret sin of judgmentalism that usually, I mean, with all the, the opinions that are shared on Facebook, it's the ones that aren't shared, right, that could be probably the most judgmental, or could be, not always, but could be. Uh, it's the secret sins in our heart of, of looking at pornography when no one else is looking, of taking those extra cookies or that extra glass of wine to help self-medicate that no one else is watching, but the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is what motivates us in those still small moments of temptation. Man, that's the thing that centers us and purges us because we know we will stand, just like 2 Corinthians 5 says we will, before the judgment seat of Christ. We know that. When we start to see that, we will get the fear of the Lord injected into our hearts so that we might realize our lives are not based, should not be based upon the approval or rejection, failure or success, whatever, how much, I mean, whatever it may be, accumulation, but instead based upon, does God approve of this attitude in my heart? Does God approve of these things that I'm doing with my hands? Does God approve of where I'm going and how I'm acting and what I'm seeing and how I'm viewing all these things? And not just how, but also how much. Like, like Netflix isn't the enemy, but you binge watch for three weeks and it will be of your soul. Like four cookies probably isn't going to destroy your soul, but eight on a regular basis just might. Like a glass of wine, there's a command in Scripture to drink a glass, of, drink some wine, young Timothy, for your stomach. That's probably not going to be a sin, but when we continue to do it for drunkenness, that's when we're in trouble, right? It's these little moments of wisdom, moments of discernment that God is calling us to, to depend on the spirit of wisdom and revelation to help us understand, man, is this sin or is it not? Because no one else knows what's going on in our hearts, but the Lord does. And he is much more attentive than the eye of Sauron in the Lord of the Rings. He is much more gracious than that, but he is watching, right? We, that, that, should, that needs to produce in us a bit of fear, of, of respect for our God, keeping us human and keeping him God. I don't want to put too much onto that, but I think there's some understanding there for us to realize, man, when we relate to a holy God, we talk a lot about like Jesus coming to earth, being one of us, and I like, of course, but let us not forget the Jesus who came for us, the holy one, the sinless one who died for us. Uh, let us not forget what it cost him and realize his holiness is far greater. His perfection, his righteousness is far greater than we've given him credit for. And so in those moments, man, may, be re, may we be reminded of the power the character of our God and, our, and at the same time, his love for us, which should humble us, bring us into repentance in a beautiful, upright way uh, and a life of dependence upon him. So if wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord, what does this type of fear, all respect for God, what kind of life does that produce? Let's go back over to Proverbs. I keep wanting to say Philippians. That's not correct. Proverbs 
chapter 2. What kind of life does it produce if we seek wisdom uh, like the Goonies on a treasure hunt? What kind of life does it produce when we start to understand the fear of the Lord? What kind of life does that produce? Look at what it says right here um, in verse 6. And I'm going to read, actually, I'm going to read the rest of Proverbs 2, even a portion which we didn't read already. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom. He's got a whole warehouse of wisdom for us, if we would ask. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice. This is the kind of life he's giving us now if we would seek wisdom in the fear of the Lord, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Thank you, Lord. Then you will understand. What will happen? We will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path for wisdom will come into our hearts and knowledge will be pleasant to our soul discretion will watch over you understanding will guard you delivering you from the way of evil from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of dark who walk to walk in the ways of darkness who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil men whose Paths are crooked and, who's are, uh, and who are devious in their ways. 16 now. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her will come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good and keep the paths of the righteousness. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. I read the last parts of Proverbs 2 to tie in these secret sins that God is longing to purge out of our hearts as we seek wisdom, start to understand the fear of the Lord, and start to maintain lives that look like Proverbs 2. So what kind of life does this produce? First thing that it produces as we seek wisdom, finding and understanding fear of the Lord as a good thing, not something to recoil from, but something to lean into and say, man, I don't understand all that you're doing, Lord, but I trust you because you're good. What kind of life does that produce? First things first, right? Discernment, wisdom. In verses 9 and 10, he says he has a storehouse of wisdom for us. Then you will understand righteousness, right? Then you will understand equity and, and, and justice and every good path. And wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. The first thing is discernment. A skillful, this wisdom is a skillful application of intelligence. Like we all teach our kids not to run across the street before looking both ways. And even then, what we're teaching them is two things. We're teaching them knowledge is that the street can be dangerous. Wisdom is understanding when to go and when to stay on the curb. We're teaching them both things. Both that there's fear here, that there's a, there's a consequence here if we don't get it right. And the knowledge is it's dangerous. The wisdom is, when is it dangerous for me in this time, in this moment, and when is it safe? This skillful application of knowledge, also known as wisdom, um, is something that is so important for our souls that God longs to give it to his saints, to keep our paths safe. I don't know about you, but 
I wonder, what have you had trouble discerning the truth on in the last few months? I mean, if you just like sat down and started to think about all the things that you've had difficulty discerning the truth on, trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong, uh, the list would be so uh, voluminous that wouldn't fit in our journal, right? It would just be too long. Um, but I would say that, it, that one of the greatest troubles of 2020 is how to skillfully apply knowledge, how to be wise and yet also bold, how to be loving and yet also um, quiet when we need to. In other words, understanding what the truth is and how to live in that truth, this seeking of wisdom, starting with the fear of the Lord, leads us to this path of righteousness, leads us to justice and equity and every good path. Brothers and sisters, Christians, is this not what we want in life? Do we not want to walk on every path, on every good path? Do we not want to understand righteousness and justice and equity? I would implore us that the fear of the Lord helps us do these things well. The fear of the Lord reminds us what righteousness is, of being without fault, that, that only happens in Christ. The fear of the Lord reminds us that justice, proper judgment, only happens, really only happens on the sight of God and not on us. We can join him, but certainly we're not going to come up with righteous judgments on our own without the wisdom that he would offer and of equity, that we would be fair in our relating with one another. You see, the fear of the Lord implores us and reminds us that we have no righteousness except that which is Christ. The fear of the Lord reminds us that God is a God of justice. He is not winking at wrong. Hey, y'all, like whatever's going on in this nation, he is not winking at it, and he is not asleep. He is watching, and he's going to make it right one day. It may not, it, it won't happen through human efforts, but it will happen one day. That's the longing of our heart. That's the groaning of all creation, waiting for Jesus to come back and make this right. So let us join him in groaning. Let us join him in protesting against all that is evil. Man, because it's not, it's not just a, a racial thing when we do that. It's all the things that are out of whack and not right and governed by the, the ruler and the, the prince of this world. Let's join him in that because the Lord is groaning through all these things. The Spirit is groaning through all these things. The, he's a God of justice, and injustice will not stand with him. Not in our, our faulty opinions on what we think about race or looting or police and, and, and coming up corona and masks and what, and what to do with masks or with our own sin before him. He will deal rightly with these things. He will make right judgments and has through his son, Jesus. But also with equity, right? That we are, we are not to pursue impartiality in our relationships, um, throughout the New Testament, it talks about this, that our relationships cannot be, if we're Christians, we must root out bias. We must root out prejudice. We must uh, root out racism in our own hearts. We, can't, we cannot deny those things reside far too deeply, and I've taken root far too deeply in our heart. We must confront these things, confess these things, and repent of these things to a holy and good God who gave us his son, Jesus. 
You see, the fear of the Lord means that we take the posture of a learner and understanding that God created black and he created white and he created Hispanic and he created uh, uh, Asian. He created all people in his image. The fear of the Lord brings us back to the foundation of wisdom for us, which is the scriptures. That equity starts with a humble heart realizing that you cannot dismiss another's experience just because you don't share it, just because you disagree with it. That we will see, will we see these things as spiritual issues that are rising up? Will we see um, that God has always been about um, racial reconciliation? That it's already been alluded to today in our gathering. That Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, that Jew and Gentile, this, I mean, you want to talk about racism. I mean, we, we saw this in the book of Galatians when Peter was in the area all by himself and he was relating to the Gentiles as if they were, they were his boys, right? And all of a sudden, the Judaizers come out of, out of Jerusalem, those that were Jewish and those that were enforcing Jewish law. And what happens to Pete? Pete withdraws from his boys because of their race. He was racist in that moment. And what happened? Paul called him out because his walk was not in step with the gospel. Why? Because we see it all throughout Scripture that God is reconciling people underneath a non-white Jesus on the cross who's going to come and we're going to meet him one day. We're going to meet him one day. And will we see these things as spiritual issues, that God is reconciling black and white, Jew and Gentile, breaking down the dividing wall of hostility in Ephesians 2, creating for us and for in, in us one new man. That is the church. That is his people. That is his family because he himself has become our peace. And if you keep reading on in that passage, what you find is that the Holy Spirit dwells in that diverse, broken place. That, that, that where there were separation and there, where there was name-calling, Ephesians 2, 11 and 12 would say, now we've been reconciled, not just to our Father through Jesus, but through our brothers and our sisters in Jesus. But we see these things as spiritual issues. Jesus certainly did. Paul certainly did. This wasn't political. This was spiritual. Friends, may our renewed fear of the Lord produce in us wisdom. Wisdom to see the spiritual side of things, not just the social side of things. Will it produce in us wisdom? The second thing that it produces for us is discretion. Discretion. All right, I'm going to step on some toes. If I haven't already... It's already there. I feel like I'm a, my seminary professor right now. When he used to say hard things to us, he would duck behind the podium uh, because he just was envisioning that people were throwing things at him. So don't break your TV on discretion. But here I am. You can, you can come and talk to me. You can email me or text me. Most of you have ways to get a hold of me. But right, discretion is the ability to decide the best path forward to achieve a goal. With uh, discretion, the ability to decide the best path forward to achieve a goal. What's your goal? What's your goal behind that post? What's your goal behind that picture? Like, I feel like everything I talk about right now is social media because I haven't seen you guys face to face. I haven't, like, been able to, to like, like, just be with people. So all it is is social media, and that's just a dangerous place. But what's, what's the purpose behind our sharing of our opinion, of our sharing of what's going on in our life? Is it to win people to our opinion? Is it to win people uh, to get the economy going, uh, to, to keep people safe? Um, what is it that's in us that, that's driving us? What's that goal? What's that purpose 
where on the list of things, um, where on the list of things that you want to achieve is inviting people to follow Jesus in all of life? How much is that driving you, and how much is that your goal? Some of us, and this is the probably offensive part, some of us need a journal um, and not social media. Some of us need to have just some inner dialogue um, and write out to the Lord what we're feeling and what we're thinking and not hit, like, post. We should be jailed from social media for a little while and, and, and just journal our inner thoughts unto the Lord and then just see what happens. See what happens after that, that we don't have to post or repost every blog or article that we read or that we think about or that we've skimmed. Maybe we, we, should, we should instead have some discretion, as, as Proverb talks about, that we are trying to achieve a goal because, friends, friends, let us not win people over to an opinion and lose them for the gospel. That's the danger. That's the discretion, that we have a greater goal, that we want to win people to Jesus. And it is our opinion that is our stumbling block when it should be Christ himself, the gospel. See, that's, that's discretion. That's helping us understand where is that line we have this goal we want to accomplish. We don't need to follow every way that is put before us because it's every good path that we are following. Not every path. There are some paths that look really good, really good, but they are full of traps, full of dangers for our souls and for the souls of others that relate with us. Why does this matter? Next week, we're going to reopen at Frost. Lord willing. I keep saying Lord willing because I've just been like reminded we cannot boast about anything in tomorrow, as James says. Next week, we're going to open up at Frost. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to be tested on whether or not we can use discretion because there are going to be people that don't feel comfortable in coming yet. And those that have been waiting for however long are going to judge those people. And those that are not comfortable in coming uh, into an in-person in gathering will be tempted to judge those that are already being so reckless with their lives. You see, we are going to be tested. And, when we, and those that do show up, there's going to be a second test that will come our way for unity. Oh gosh, you're not wearing a mask? Huh, I thought you loved Jesus. Oh gosh, you are wearing a mask? I thought we were supposed to live a life of faith. You see it? See, that's what's coming before us, and we must use discretion. I, I don't have time to read it, but please, I'm begging you, read Romans 14 this week. And I may, I may read it on a video later on in the week, but read Romans 14 this week to, to understand that we are all the Lord's. We are all going to answer to him as our judge, not to you and not to me. And there's beautifully good news in that, that we're answering to him. We've got to be able to use this discretion because the next great test of unity is upon us. And discretion rooted in humility that is found by fearing the Lord is the path to peace and unity. So let us remember that there are some paths set before us that just aren't healthy. Let us use discretion on which one it may be. And may our renewed fear of the Lord produce in us not just discernment, but also discretion. And finally, and finally, may it produce in us deliverance. Verses 12 through 22, we just saw that this fear of the Lord, which is sought out by seeking wisdom, will bring for us a deliverance from wicked people who are saying that their wicked ways are the right ways. 
of, of that secret sin that's calling you to death. Although it may be pleasurable, although it may be comfortable, it is the way of the departed, Proverbs says. See, this idea of deliverance is that this fear of God leads us to a, a defeat of sin, of deliverance from evil. And I do want to read one passage, a familiar passage to us that were, have been a part of the Grove since November of last year. So we set out a vision for 2020, and we did so by reading Romans 12. Romans 12, 9 through 21. And I want to read it for us again this morning because here's, here's uh, uh, the reminder for us. These are the kinds of people that God wants to work through and is calling us to be. If you remember our vision for 2020, it was set out in Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let me read this and then we'll be done. Maybe be delivered from the evil set forth in here. Paul writes to the church in Rome and us here in Richmond, Sugarland, Katy, Rosenberg, Fort Bend County. Let love be genuine. Abhor hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who reap. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, the enemy wants to lull us into a laziness and a slothfulness and zeal for righteousness. The evil path set before Christians in these days and in those days, we could just take the opposite of all these commands, that we would be hypocritical. We'd wear a mask in our love. Love you. Mm, I don't really like that person. That's hypocritical in our love, that we would tolerate evil, that we would be lazy in showing honor and love, that we would be quick-tempered when suffering is perceived, and to forget our only hope is in prayer, that the evil path, would meet us. we must discern and be discreet to, to journey on and be delivered from is to curse those who persecute us, to rejoice with those who weep and weep with those who rejoice. That's also known as covening and jealousness to disown those who are lowly or poorer than us or different from us, to be vengeful, to act as if grace and forgiveness is earned instead of giving it freely because it's been given freely to us, to become overcome by evil. But our Father, deliver us from such lowly living. Our Father, deliver us from satisfying our fleshly desires to live for ourselves, to live for the pleasures of here and now, to stay comfortable in our faith and in our viewpoints on race and justice and injustice and pandemics and viruses and truth and lies. Deliver us, Lord, and help us see. And so may the fear of the Lord produce in us 
a deliverance from foolishness. Because the fool says in his heart that there is no God. And so may we be people. May we be people that seek wisdom, that have a fear of the Lord in our hearts. And may we be people that are truly rooted uh, in the kind of fear that produces discernment and discretion and deliverance in life. So what do we do with this? What do we do with all of this talk about wisdom? Well, because of God's love for us, friends, in Christ, we are secure in him. And I want us to end this week by realizing there's lots of big concepts that have been thrown at you. But I want us to remember this as we end. We are secure in Christ. Because we are secure in Christ, we have the freedom to admit failure. We have the freedom to admit sin. We have the freedom then to repent, to realize we've been prideful, bigoted, prejudiced, biased in our lives. And I'm telling you this, friends, no one, no one really knows. I don't even know if my wife knows this about me that I'm about to share with you. Most of my middle school life, I slept underneath the Confederate flag. Not because I was a racist, but because I was ignorant on what it meant. It wasn't until later on in life that I look back on that with shame. I look back on that with just like, what in the world? Why was that allowed? What was I doing? What was the world about during those times? You know why I can say that before you with at least 30 people watching probably? Because I'm free in Christ. I'm fully forgiven. We can can admit our failures. We can admit our shortcomings of, of all the things that are hot button issues in today's world. Because Jesus loves us, came for us, came to die for the sin that we're denying. If only we would come into the light. If only we would come to trust him deeper and deeper, that as he invites us to follow him in all of life, that ultimately means that grace must teach us where we have been wrong in life and remind us that he is right. And that if we want to be found right in this world, or righteous, or just, or, uh, or equitable, The only place to do that is in Christ. The only way to do that is to repent and believe and repent and believe. And so, friends, I just encourage you. He's a safe place. His people generally are pretty safe, too. So if you need to repent this week, this week's a neighborhood group uh, week, like go and repent with your neighbors. Go and repent with your brethren and your sistren and confess your sin that we may not hide them so that we can forsake them Because as Proverbs 28 said this morning, it's then that we find mercy. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for your love and care for us. We need more repentance, not less. We need less opinion and more listening. We need more understanding. We need the ability that only the spirit of wisdom can give us. And so, Holy Spirit, where we've been prideful, remind us of the humility that we have when we relate to you. Where we've been foolish, remind us of the forgiveness that we have in you. Where we've been wrong, remind us of your mercy. Lord, remind us that we all are sinners. Remind us that we all need to be um, renewed in our spirits, in our hearts, that we all need to be born again if we're not already. And for those of us that are born again, 
We have the Spirit in us comforting us, not condemning us, comforting us, guiding us, and counseling us along the way. May we be encouraged by your truth. And so Holy Spirit, have your way with us now as we respond, as we sing that you're better, Jesus, as we declare with our mouths that you are Lord because we believe in our hearts that you've been resurrected. Help us, in Christ's name, amen.